family. This your girl, Shannon Jackson, the People's Nurse. Thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Living Your Life Without Limits. And today, my special guest is none other than Father Ann. Stay tuned. Wake up, everybody. Let's elevate your mind. Live your life without limits. No more wasting time. Good morning, Father Ann. Thank you so much again for being my special guest today on Living Your Life Without Limits. And it is my privilege and honor to have you on today. How are you doing? I am well, Shannon. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I want to first start by thanking you and acknowledging you for the sacrifice you made during COVID. Just being on the front lines. Really, I cannot imagine what you went through, but I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you and, you know, really all the healthcare workers who are still going through it. Exactly. Exactly. It's been a residual effect. Well, I appreciate that. So I'm very excited about today to for you to share your experience and your story and a little bit of background and why this is so personal for me. For 36 years, I was under a female pastor who really helped shape me spiritually in my prayer life, in my faith in God. And I found her to be a a force in the ministry, but in the work that she came from, it was not easy to be a pastor in a ministry. She came out of uh, the Church of God in Christ, where at that time when she came out was not allowed for women pastors. And she ended up going independent and opening up her own ministry at the call of God. So I am just honored to hear your story and your journey and share. I know we've talked, but to share it with our audience and listening viewers, where did you know you were meant to be a Catholic priest? This had to come from somewhere. Share that with us. It did. It's a strange story. You know, there's a lot of women who have a vocation to priesthood. And for many of them, they actually feel it as a child. But my story, I am what's called a late vocation. I was baptized Catholic, but really didn't grow up in the church and didn't have a faith. And I had a very profound encounter with God when I was about 29 or 30. So I essentially lived, you know, my young adult life without any relationship with God. I had this profound encounter, which changed my life and got me on the path of being in relationship with God and entering the Roman Catholic church deeply through its faith, its rituals, its sacraments, et cetera. After I had that experience, I was actually managing a band at the time. And I I can resonate with St. Paul. You know, it was, it felt, even though it did take some time, it felt like a thunderbolt experience. You know, it's one, one day my life was like this and the next it was like this. So I started to, after that experience, I left working with the band and um, I went through RCIA, which is how you become Catholic in San Diego, right? For uh, Christian initiation for adults. So I learned about God and Jesus there. And then when moved to Portland and really I found a Jesuit church there. St. Ignatius. And the Jesuits really taught me to pray. So that initial encounter through their 
education and formation, it really taught me to make a permanent connection. And that is when I started to hear God calling me to be a priest, which of course was very confusing because the Roman Catholic Church refuses to ordain women at this time uh, in any capacity. So I just started living out the call the best that I could, you know, really being obedient to the church for many years, working in all kinds of ministries in the parish, volunteering, sacristy, you know, I did everything you could do as a woman related to the altar, you know, uh, Eucharistic minister, sacristan, lector, funeral sacristan. I learned how to preach eventually and lead communion services. I went on to get my master of divinity, which is the degree that a Catholic priest gets. So I did everything that I could. I even ran a Jesuit parish as a pastoral administrator. So I just got to the point where I couldn't, there was no other way. It was not a rash decision. It was, it ultimately became the point where I couldn't grow anymore the way that God was asking. So I had to choose between the doctrine of the church and being obedient to God. And of course, I chose being obedient to God. And that is how I ended up getting ordained through a reform movement called the Roman Catholic Woman Priest Movement. Amazing. And I love how you said, and I think some people this can resonate with and then others can be offended, but I'm going to say this relationship with God is different than religion. Definitely. That's what you experience having that call, that relationship with God. And I believe that's what it's about relationship and fulfilling your purpose and feeling that within, because there's a lot of people that are into the religious, the the ritualistic things, but they don't have relationship. So I love that you said, you know what? This is something that's different, but this is what I'm going to do. So with this, I know this has not been an easy journey for you and this movement. What are some of the challenges that you have faced as you have taken on this path and through this movement? Can you just share a little bit about that? Yes, there are so many challenges. So for those who don't know, the punishment for becoming ordained in the Roman Catholic Church as a woman, it's considered the most serious category of crime, criminal offense. So we are automatically, they don't even bother with the paperwork. We're automatically excommunicated. And so we cannot work for the church, volunteer for the church, receive any sacraments. I can't receive communion. I can't go to confession, you know, any of those things. And I will say this, I do, I do beat this drum often, but the priests who have committed sexual abuse of children are not excommunicated. Wait a minute. I don't mean yes. to, I don't mean to pause you, but I have to pause you. Women priests are excommunicated who are just wanting to give their life for service. Yes. And priests who have violated children, innocent children, raped, molested, are not excommunicated. Correct. Yes, it's a lot to take in. So while they are punished, you know, maybe taken out of priesthood, they still can receive communion. 
They're not excommunicated from the community. So that is how serious of a crime it is considered for a woman to follow her call that has been given to her by God. And so one of the biggest problems, right, obviously, when you are a woman living inside of a patriarchy, the patriarchy decides that that men can speak for you. So that's the biggest problem, right? Like women are not capable enough to discern our own calls. We have to be told by men what we are to think, how we are to act, like women are like this and men are like that. So women's voices are essentially erased. So it just creates a system that perpetuates itself. And so inside of a patriarchy, I mean, to make the point just obviously clear, women and children are never safe in a patriarchy. Doesn't matter if it's the Roman Catholic Church, the Baptist, Hollywood, the Boy Scouts, women and children are not safe in a patriarchy. So that is inevitable. The inequality and the injustice towards women who just want to serve, this is just utterly, I'm gasping because I cannot believe that just for you following, wanting to serve and sacrifice your life for service to preach and minister health and healing spiritually to God's people that you're excommunicated and a person that has taken the innocence of children is still allowed to do everything. Oh my God, this is- It's a a moral outrage, yes. This is definitely not only a moral outrage, there needs to be more light shed upon this. And I'm hoping that this interview will bring this to the forefront and ask the questions and how can we really influence change for women that want to go forward in the call. Absolutely, thank Thank you. you. Talk to me about the organization and how are you able to stay funded and and what is the, we're gonna take this negative for a moment and how is this positivity pulling? Because there's no way that with this that you guys aren't doing great work. So talk (laughs) to me about some of the great work that you're doing and finding in the midst of this tremendous challenge. Yes. So the, uh, just to give you a broader picture, the movement was started 20 years ago. A bishop ordained women as priests, seven women, and then the following year ordained several women as bishops. And those women have been ordaining women as priests and bishops since. So there are about 260 of us around the world, mostly in the United States and Europe, but also now the Philippines, Taiwan, Colombia has a, about 18 or 20. So it is spreading across the world. So a lot of the women do many things. Uh, They have small communities. They do work with people who are living on the streets, spiritual direction. They offer all the sacraments, weddings, baptisms, funerals. They work in senior centers. Uh, I mean, just you name it. What all the male priests are doing, the female priests are doing it also. And so for me personally, what my ministry looks like, I'm really focused on church reform. At this time, it's my mission to see this changing, uh, to see this teaching changed. So in my lifetime, so that my goal is to go into the institutional church. You know, I want to be part of the advocate. You're the pillar to influence the change. And that's that's my hope. That's why I believe. And see, when you think about 
ministry. And when God uh, touches a person personally, it's because the work that they're going to do is going to be such an impact that it's going to be a tremendous change because they're going to be a change agent that's not going to do a little bit, but it's going to be global. It's going to affect something more than one thing. It affects institution. It affects lives. And I believe when you had that moment, just like you said, Paul had on the way to Damascus, when he had that moment, it is just beautiful to know that God have chosen you. And I do believe that to lead institutional change because institutional change takes some grit within. It does. Withstand adversity and challenges. And sometimes maybe your life had maybe been threatened at one time or another, or people have said very vile things to you, but it really takes someone that is fortitude within that says, I'm going to do this. So I commend you for that and all the beautiful women that are on the forefront influencing change in one way or another and allowing their voices to be heard. And I will pray for God's protection around the the service that you guys are doing. But I tell you, this is something that needs much more commitment. So. When speaking about the significance of representation with women in the Catholic uh, priesthood and diversity in leadership, what do you think is the most important thing for women in service in the ministry? What, what is the opportunity that they can bring that takes it to another level? Because when women get in leadership roles and priesthood is a leadership role. Absolutely. Spiritual leadership role that really is an integral part of human beings. Because I think when humans don't have some form of a spiritual connection, there's a hole, there's a void. And and you you sometimes do harm to yourself trying to fill that void. That's, That's my own belief. So talk to me about the leadership aspect of women priest, Father Anne, and 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 what is that going to do to help bring diversity and healing in 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 the in the church? Yes, what we bring. I love this question. I think it can't be overstated how important representation is. So I would say the foundational thing that women bring is. It's another avenue for God, the Holy Spirit, to come through to teach us about who God is and what God desires for the world. So when that is cut out, we get this off-kilter notion about, you know, God is basically a man in the sky, (laughs) and uh, we have a very limited understanding. We understand something, but women bring that additional channel. All of every group has something to bring to teach us about who God is and what God desires. So that is so fundamental. And if we believe that the Holy Spirit is animating all of us, then what women also bring is proper discernment. Because you can't, as a group, you can't properly discern what God is inviting the the institutional church to to bring, to 
your local community. If groups are cut out, then you can't properly discern that, which means you go off in sort of the wrong direction and you probably are perpetuating exclusion or some kind of harm. So those I think are really, really critical. I think uh, another thing that women bring, I mean, just honestly, in the Roman Catholic tradition, literally our voice, people never hear the gospel proclaimed in a woman's voice. People never really hear women's issues and experiences are not centered in preaching. I mean, for many years before I was excommunicated, I went to mass every single day. And I would, I mean, I can count on like, you know, less than a few fingers, how many times I would hear something that really just, that was a woman's issue. You know, you just don't hear about it. So I think like just the actual embodiment is so, even if I'm saying the exact same words, the exact same prayers, you know, even, even if I am saying male imagery, it has a completely different impact. And I think another thing that, especially that women priests bring, because we inhabit this symbol, you know, we wear the collar. I mean, I go by father, you know, tongue in cheek, like women can't do what men can do. Of course we can, you know, but we inhabit the symbol. So we really, I mean, I deal with a lot of different reactions when I'm in this collar and it sort of, it, it makes people confront the messaging and the internalized sexism, both women and men that they have received because suddenly they have an image, you know, like their imagination gets expanded. Like Catholics do not see this. They've never, I have had people come up to me. I've never seen a woman in a collar. And for them, it's so profoundly moving. Just the image alone. I could be walking out on the street. The image is so profoundly moving to them that they have to grapple with like, well, why do I think women can't do this? Why do I think women can't lead? Uh, you know, and the other thing that I'm doing in particular is I'm really challenging gender norms by going by father, by inhabiting the traditional priesthood. You know, I, I'm doing it in a masculine, more masculine way. The other women priests, you know, they don't go by father. They don't even use reverend. They will in a, you know, if they need to in a professional setting, but they don't wear the collar. They're married with children. It's very beautiful. It's like a different expression, but I'm doing it. The only difference between me and a male priest is that I'm a female. I'm exactly the same as a male. I've had the same training. I'm doing the same prayers. I'm exactly the same. So I'm I'm really pushing. And that's very, you know, touchy right now. There's so much going on with gender. So I actually experience rejection on both the right and the far left. They because they're like, well, why are you, you're just buying into clericalism. Why are you going by the title father? I am very put off by that. You know, I, so it's, and on the right, they don't like that I'm a woman, you know, so I, if, I feel that him. I'm right in the right spot. You know what I mean? It's like, well, if everybody's getting upset, then I think I'm doing my job. <laughs> and, and, and what, and what we want to see come from this is a conversation yes. because it's a lot of things have been set up traditionalism that really has nothing to do with spirituality. Yes. And that's not just in the Catholic church. I think Correct. it's in many ministries that people have followed blindly 
uh, doctrines because this is what we were told. This is what we're taught. And not that all of it is bad, but it not necessarily impacts who we are in our relationship with God. But you brought up something about the role of the woman in leadership. So with this institutional change, so it, it had me thinking on here, in your position of changing, not just the, the way women are viewed and, and incorporating women officially and formally into leadership uh, priest roles. What about the aspect of marriage, which, you know, um, how, what is the view of women now in being priest and yet still having balance of life with family and children? Or is that still something that is still perceived as no, you just you know hold your life whole and and totally, you know the Bible call it a eunuch, and a eunuch is a person in the Bible that is asexual, not anyway, no form of sex. They've given their whole body and their whole life to no sex with anybody. So what what is the position on that with children and marriage? Yes, so just to make the distinction, the the institutional church mandates celibacy. That was not always the case. That actually was a later teaching that came about in the, I think the 12th or 13th century. Okay. So, you know, it could always go back to a different way, but for now in this movement, it's like, um, I love to think about it. Like the way it's prophetic to the institutional church, it's like an exercise in imagination. What if, what if women ran the Roman Catholic Church, what would it look like? So in the RCWP movement, you really live out the call that is authentic to you. So the vast majority of the priests are married with kids and grandkids. And, you know, their families are participating. You know, it's it's very early church in that way. What the early church looked like in Acts, that's a lot like what the Roman Catholic woman church Roman Catholic woman priest movement looks like a lot of house churches a couple women do have buildings but it's very family oriented I love that I love that and for those that feel that I don't want that and I just want to serve so in other words it is truly diversity and inclusive of all the focus is that you're committing your service not for self-serving but for purpose in God. Yes. The The vocation comes from God. Yes. So, and the support is you have the freedom to discern your call in community though. I mean, and you live out that call authentically. So like for me, I am celibate. That's my call. I was formed by Jesuits. I, I, I have their call and their spirituality and their formation. So I, I live out my priesthood very differently but there's no there's no wrong way to do it. All the expressions are needed, especially when it comes to to being prophetic to this essentially what is a worldwide empire. It has a feudal structure from you know medieval times that sprawls across the entire world. And so you need all the ways to make a difference in that that structure that has so much power. What is it that you're working on? What is your immediate, what's the what next? So what are you working on right now? So right now I'm actually working on finding benefactors for a campaign 
to get off the ground to make this happen. Because as I mentioned, there is this opening. So one of the aspects of the campaign is to get Pope Francis to have an audience with women who are called to priesthood. He has never had an audience and he is such a prayerful, wonderful man that I believe, I mean, he has ideas about, he really does believe that women are not called by God to serve as priests, but I know through his prayer life that if he were to sit down with women from across the world, from the Amazon, from Africa, from India, from, you know, Colombia, he would be so deeply moved by the encounter. I just have a lot of faith in him. So that's one aspect is getting him to have uh, an an encounter with women who are called to be priests. Mm -hmm. Another aspect of the campaign is, so one of, while the church is going through this discernment, because the topic is on the table, the church is not emphasizing that, but the ordination of women to priesthood is on the table through this synodal process. But one of the obstacles is that people are not transparent. So there's a lot of support from from lay people in across the world in many different countries. People, the majority of Catholics believe women should be ordained not just as deacons but as priests. But it's not just them. It's there are thousands of women and men who are in religious life, like brothers and sisters, nuns. There are deacons, priests, bishops, and even cardinals who believe it, but they're not speaking up. So how do you get them to come out transparently? Because I think if that were to happen, then it would change the dynamic because then the lay people who maybe don't believe would have to take into consideration, wow, there are all these religious with institutional power who believe, as well as the other bishops who don't believe. You see what I mean? Like it creates that dynamic for dialogue that is thus far it's absent. So that's what, that's really, those are two main pillars that I'm working on, you know, getting, raising money to get a van, hashtag Father Ann in the van, and I'll just be gone giving talks, interacting and mobilizing the body of Christ to reach out and interact with the institutional church to create the pressure and frankly, to really highlight the connection between the sexual abuse scandal and the exclusion of women from priesthood. This It is has to happen now. Absolutely. And we're going to join you in that force of that. Yes, absolutely. Make sure we get the hashtag I will. that you have. <laughs> Send us the hashtag. We definitely will support and get it out there as well. What is the final thing that you like to say to the viewers and listening audience that's going to be hearing on there? What what is it that you want to leave? What is it that you want them to get from this? I guess uh, what I would, I want any woman out there to trust in her own discernment and to claim what God is giving her. And any man who is out there in that woman's life, support her in that. Everybody is do what God desires for them to have. It's not scarcity. It's it's not scarcity. It's abundance. So just be bold and receive the call that you have been given and God will give you the grace to follow. Amen. Amen. And I want to end with... Women, we are taking a stand 
in every aspect of life. We're raising in politics. We're raising as CEOs over companies. We are oftentimes the leaders in our homes. It is time for every woman that have felt the call of God in their life to also be able to freely be liberated to lead in churches, be it Catholic, be it Church of God in Christ, be it Baptist or whatever religion that you are in, because God needs your voice. Because it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And I'm reminded, I come from a Christian background, how Deborah was a leader in the Bible. And she led people way back then. And here it is now. God is raising up a new generations, such as Father Anne and others, to take on and tear down the old so that we can bring in a new chapter and birth healing in ministries. Because at the end of the day, we all need each other. And love is limitless in God. And if we really say we love God, be it whatever our religion is, we will break every barrier that is created that is inequity and allow others to freely operate their gifts. Father Ann, I thank you for being the special guest today. And you have blessed my heart and stirred my spirit. And we at Living Your Life Without Limits is going to do whatever we can to support that cause. And those of you that are fans of the show, I want you to help spread and help support. We're going to put Father Ann's information onto this video and attach it. And Father Ann, for our audio listeners, will you tell us how they can reach out and support and donate? Yes, please go to my website, fatherann.com. That has all the information. And on social media, I am at father underscore Ann on Instagram. Twitter. I'm also on Facebook. Thank you so much, Shannon, for having me. It's just been such a pleasure. It has been my honor. And family, as I often say, remember family, I don't do it anything different, to love yourself. Take care of yourself because guess what? You are absolutely worth it. Thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Living Your Life Without Limits, and I'll see you next week.